Live at the Golden Circle Sportsbook and Bar inside Treasure Island, it's Cofield and Company on ESPN Las Vegas. All right, here we go. Five o'clock hour. Sorry, uh, sorry, lady over there on the mask. Let's go to the hell at her. Uh, it's what we do. It's what we do. I didn't get to yell in the first hour because Charles Williams was with us from UNLV, and I didn't want to scare Charles. Why you should have? <laughs> just hey, this is what it's like. That's right. Just screaming and ranting and raving and yelling. You want to get in media, young man? Well, then you deal with things yes. like hosts screaming over Rebecca Black's Friday. Yes. Um, did Rich Miano try to take you out? In the second hour, the former Jet and Eagle and Falcon, you you uh, you disappeared from the set to take care of something, and then you sat down in the middle of the spot, and I think you just thought some rando was coming up and, you know, sidling. Yeah, he tried to give me – he definitely tried to exude the tough, like, former football player attitude. He's And he kind of – he gave me one of these. He didn't even turn to fully face. He just goes, what's up? And I'm like, I'm John. I'm Steve's co-host. Like, <laughs> relax. Did you, bow, did you bow up and show all your size? No, but I, I you, you know, know, like I, I was a, a you know early Bishop Gorman lineman, brother. That's right. Uh, Demarco Murray did give me water one time, okay, for my cramps. So let's let's relax for your cramps. That's right. <laughs> we mean he he knew I was going to be an asset for the team. He's like, I got to take care of this guy as a freshman. It's a long standing relationship. Uh, and I'm sure if I ran into Demarco today, he'd remember exactly who I am. Um, <laughs> that all went through my head as I as I was like, no, don't don't pull the tough guy on me. Golden Circle, Sportsbook or, Bar. Former NFL linebacker. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I always say, like, even with, you know, with Mark, uh, Mark McMillan was on with us, and Mark's, you know, diminutive stature. But actually when you, like, I was tapping Mark, and I'm like, eh, freaking guns up top. You know? <laughs> Those like delts. The, yeah. Still got them. Still got them. I don't. I never had them. Uh, Matt Neverett is in. He's a former athlete. Maybe he's got not delts. On, maybe not on that level. He's, at least he's thin. You know, he's keeping it together. I mean, we all have delts, but not developed. Delts. You can't see him, right? What's up, Matt? Hey, what's going on, guys? Good to be back with you, and uh, looking forward to a, a busy weekend for all of us, for sure. All right. You fired up for the uh, Ninth Island Showdown? Yeah. No, it's it's going to be really exciting. I think that, uh, obviously, this is a matchup that every year in here in Las Vegas is, um, you know, really exciting and one of the more look-forward-to sporting events for, for a lot of locals. And so I think, by default, this game would have a little bit higher attendance and a little bit higher viewership, but I think with the the direction that both of the programs, UNLV and Hawaii, are going on right now. I think this is going to be one of the more uh, anticipated matchups between these two teams in at least a handful of years. So you can watch the game tomorrow on uh, Silver State Sports and Entertainment Network. And not to insult Matt, uh, I'm kind of digging on myself. Don't watch us. Go to the game. Go to the game. It's going to be a great environment. If you've never been to a UNLV-Hawaii game, they're incredible. Cool. The Hawaiians are incredibly passionate. They will turn out. So it's going to be great on that front. Um Fill me in on the detail. Are we – is Hawaii doing its own broadcast with its own announcers and then we're doing a separate one? Because I never really understood this. And I was starting to think last week because, you know, we, we kind of – we got the go-ahead on this about two weeks ago that we were doing a, a TV call. And I was thinking, like, crap, are we being beamed back to Hawaii? Are we the guys doing the call? And then I'd have to be, like, 50-50 on Hawaii, and I really don't want to be 50-50 on Hawaii. Yeah, if, if you want it – be as, as Hawaii as you can. Uh, no, no big deal because, yeah, Hawaii is unique in the sense that they, they have a, a pay-per-view, quote-unquote, set up for all their games. So they actually have the rights 
to all the games before anybody else in the conference. So we're definitely fortunate that we're uh, getting this separate broadcast. It might be the most broadcasted game in the Mountain West this year. You're going to have yeah. two separate radio crews, two separate TV crews. Uh, my man Scott Robbs and Josh Pacheco are doing live reactions in Hawaii on their flagship station as well. So there's going to be something like four different broadcasts uh, at least going nice. on of this game right now. Matt Neverett with us. He's the host of the Cover 12 podcast. That's the official football podcast of the Mountain West. So let's break down some Mountain West games, and then we'll get back to the Ninth Island Showdown. Um, boy, Utah State is in a – what a weird position. Are they favored in this game after the kind of season they've had so far? Am I reading that number right? What's the number on it? John, am I reading it? Did I flip it? I mean, I they're they're at UConn. Uh, the way I read it earlier today, I still can't believe it. Yeah, they're four-point favorites. Yeah, they're four-point favorites. What do you think of this one, Matt? It's an interesting matchup. It's two teams that uh, really have not started out how they've wanted to. Uh, uh, UConn comes in looking for their first win, their own four. Utah State losers of three out of their first four. And with the uh, the question marks at the, the quarterback position because of the injury to Cooper Lagai was McKay Hillstead, who made his first career start uh, last week as they lost to James Madison. And it, it was kind of an up-and-down performance. I mean, he had to throw 47 times in his first collegiate start. And you really, even no matter what your offense is, you never want to have a, a young freshman making 50 throws in his in his first ever start, in, you know, in front of the lights, in front of a really good and uh, certainly respected James Madison team coming out of the Sun Belt. And so for Utah State, I think it's going to be about mitigating the expectations for, for Hillstead. Uh, I mean, he's basically leaned on Terrell Vaughn, uh, in each of the uh, two games that he's played in so far. He's gone to him a ton. And the other thing, too, is stylistically, this is a matchup of two teams that like to slow it down. They, they really have a, a lot of time of possession for both, but they've also both turned the ball over a lot here early in the year, which I think is pretty indicative of the, the records for these two sides and, and kind of why they are where they are. It, it is surprising to see, you know, a, a quote-unquote bigger team come into Utah and be a, a, a a slight dog, but this is a, a Jim Moore-led UConn team that really has not shown much of anything. I remember they got they got trounced by Duke. Who Duke, the Dukies are all right, but I mean this is going to be an in, interesting matchup. I think it's a good spot for Utah State to really control the game and and get a, their first real dominant win of the year. All right, Boise State on the road against Memphis. Uh, this is actually one of the more fascinating gambling games because on Sunday when it opened up. Uh, one spot had Boise State minus three on the road. Another had Memphis minus three on the road for a brief moment. So two teams favored in the same game. Uh, go figure. Taylor Green, Matt, has not played that well if you look at some of the underlying metrics. What do you make of this spot for the Broncos on the road? I mean, they're coming in hot. They lost their first two games against, you know, quality opponents. They got trounced again by both Washington and UCF before coming back with wins against uh, North Dakota out of the FCS. And a, a big win against San Diego State. And I think that that kind of win – uh, buoys them with with confidence, and I think that's the kind of game that Taylor Green can build upon. I mean, you're always going to have the rushing attack with him and with this Boise State offensive line always being rock solid. And uh, this is a game for Boise State, kind of a, a where are we, you know, a, a, a litmus test game for, for this side. And, you know, I kind of wish that we could get a bet on both sides now, get some plus money guaranteed victory. But, yeah, this is one where it's a matchup of these two teams that really never play uh, and, and they both had some interesting starts. Memphis is coming off of a loss last week to uh, Missouri. There was six and a half point dog in that game. And uh, yeah, it's kind of a, one of those. This is a, a, a show me game, if you will, for especially the bookmakers. 
But for a lot of teams in the Mountain West to see how seriously the preseason favorite Boise State really should be taken heading into conference play. This is their last non-conference game of the year. So I think for Boise State, this is a game where they're going to look to make a statement. Obviously, you want to make a statement every week, but this is the kind of win against a kind of non-conference opponent that can really, you know, springboard a strong start in conference play where, you know, they're still up for the Mountain West championship, especially with the new championship layout. Uh, and this is a Boise State team that if they can get in the right direction heading into conference play, they're absolutely going to be dangerous as expected. I'm a man who admits when he's wrong, and I, I think I was dead wrong on this Cowboys team. I, I didn't think they were going to be very good, but they've been really impressive through four games. What do you do with them? Because they take on New Mexico, but the interesting part, Matt, is they're about to enter the teeth of their schedule with Fresno State Air Force and Boise State coming up. So I feel like it's a game where you could probably get in and get out, but what do you make of it? I mean, it's the classic uh, look-ahead spot. It, it's it, tough in, in conference play to say that, but with a team like Wyoming that, as you said, is defying expectations. I mean, they have been awesome. Craig Bowl has done a phenomenal job with two different quarterbacks leading the charge throughout the season. And uh, we talked about their matchup against my alma mater, App State, last week, and that turned into yet another close game uh, for the Mountaineers and uh, Wyoming ultimately pulling it ahead. That, that win shows that they can go in, take care of business, especially when playing at home against a team that, you know, really should have won. App State was almost wire to wire in that game. And Utah, or Wyoming, excuse me, had the, the wherewithal and the, the strength within to, to come back and clinch that game close. And I think this is a, a New Mexico team that is certainly surprised, especially on the offensive end when you compare it to last year. I think New Mexico and Colorado State have made two of the biggest leaps forward in the conference in terms of their offense from year to year. Uh, from last year to this year. But, uh, yeah, this is, I think, the line, something like 14 points, right? I think that this is a, a pretty appropriate line, especially if Wyoming gets an early lead. Uh, I mean, this this defense is not one to give up a big lead against a team in New Mexico that, like I've mentioned, is improving but may not be on the same level, uh, especially in the trenches against this big, physical, and well-disciplined Wyoming squad. Cofield and company previewing the uh, weekend in Mountain West Conference football. With the host of the Cover 12 podcast, Matt Nevert, of course, one of the voices of the Aviators, and you'll see him on the TV broadcast. He is the TV voice of the UNLV Rebels with the game tomorrow kicking off at 1 o'clock. Um, I, and I don't like what I see from San Diego State right now. Uh, the game last week against Boise, they looked small, and they couldn't tackle. That's not a good combination. And now they're going against a team that wants to run the ball 75 times a game in Air Force. Can Air Force just rip the hell out of San Diego State? I mean, I as, as low as we've been on Boise State to start the year, I am equally as high on Air Force. They have, I wouldn't say defied expectations, but they've been a lot better in a lot of areas than some people thought. I mean, they're a team, you know, you look last year, they led the country in rushing, they led the country in total defense. A lot of that is due to the style. Right now, they lead the country in both again. And they're building, they've got a very veteran backfield, especially with how often they rotate the running backs through. And uh, you mentioned against San Diego State last week, they, the Boise State team made the Aztecs look small. And this is an Air Force team that traditionally, you know, is a little bit smaller, but they're a lot quicker, especially on the inside. And they use that to their advantage in a lot of ways. And I mean, Zach Larrier and his minimal passing attempts this year has been phenomenal. The, the efficiency always going to be there for, for a Falcon quarterback. And yeah, I, I do think that uh, they are really going to be able to, to do whatever they want offensively against San Diego State. And then with the way that they play stylistically, slow the game down limit the number of possessions for both teams. I, I do think that this number is right. I think Air Force is a real team to look out for, and don't be surprised if they crack the top 25 here in, in a couple of weeks, especially if they roll this week into next week. I 
like to admit like when I'm wrong. I, I, like I said, I do it. I also like to say when I'm right. And Fresno State's a freaking wagon. They're awesome. But they're big favorites, Matt, against a Reno team that has actually kind of been competitive, oddly, over the last few weeks. What do you make of this matchup? 24.5 point spread. I see, and that and that is a big number, especially in a conference game. I know that Nevada has the longest losing streak in FBS right now, uh, but Fresno State, as you said, JVT, they are hot. They are a wagon, in your words, and uh, I really don't see this Ted, uh, this uh, this team slowing down at all. Jeff Jeff Tedford has done a phenomenal job of motivating his guys here early in the season, taking care of business, not just winning games here early in the year to start four and zero, but dominating, and that's that's what you got to do in the in a conference like the Mountain West to garner. A, a top 25 ranking and I think that you know some teams they crack that top 25 and they they sit back on their laurels and they're ready to go but uh, I think this is a like I said an extremely well coached team against uh, Nevada that's just looking for something I mean they haven't they haven't won a game in in over a year and uh, you know the Bulldogs we expected them to be good they were voted in the top three preseason but yeah like like you said I think they're a little bit better especially given the fact that they're they had to replace so many players on the offensive side of the ball specifically. Quarterback has been dominant. The running game has been phenomenal. And then the defense just kind of doing what they've needed to do in these wins because they've been out to some big leads early on. Ninth Island Showdown tomorrow. Hawaii in town at Allegiant to take on uh, your running Rebels. And uh, Matt Nevert is on the call on the TV side. All right, tell me what's going to happen in this game. Well, I think it's going to be a, uh, a physical game, that's for sure, especially with a lot of the – the back and forths, not only between the players, but between the coaching staffs. And I think that, you know, in an early season uh, conference lid lifter, you don't typically see the kind of uh, statements that have been going back and forth through the media from, from both sides. And as we mentioned earlier, it's going to be a, a packed house, especially uh, with both of these teams trending upward from, from where they've been. I think stylistically, well, of course, with the, the run and shoot, the Rebels passing defense is always going to be under fire. And uh, the couple of injuries on the defensive side are really going to either, you know, it's either a make or break. There's some some guys are going to have to step up or or figure it out because the, the loss of Jeray Williams in the short term, I don't think a lot of people understand just how uh, pivotal and flexible he is within this defense, both coming up and playing the rush game, rushing the quarterback, but also dropping back in coverage and just some of the skills that he has from that from that outside linebacker safety ish position. Uh, so it's going to be a lot of uh, questions as to how they replace that Jet Elad, who had been backing up Jerry Williams, I think has been a, a bright spot kind of undercover. He, he's one of those guys where when you're at practice, you see, oh, there's nine. Nine's always making a play. He's always got a hand on the ball. So I think that he is absolutely capable of replacing Jerry Williams, but it's, it's going to be tough. And I think that's early on especially going to be a big one. I mean, you talked to uh, Coach Odom for his coach's show yesterday, and he, he had said – you know, winning that battle at the line of scrimmage and matching Hawaii's passion are going to be two of the big things that, that lead, uh, you know, UNLV to victory in this game. A lot of it, too, is going to be keeping Jordan Maiava clean, keeping him protected, and letting him get through his progressions and starting to kind of really get into this go offense. Because we haven't seen too many of the, you know, quote-unquote gadget plays, but I think against a team like Hawaii, they really could start to bust something out like that. Matt, excellent as always. We'll see you uh, on TV at the stadium tomorrow. Yes, sir. Silver State Sports and Entertainment Network. And then check out the Cover 12 podcast, official Mountain West football podcast. New episode dropping on Tuesday. Thanks, Matt. Take care, guys. Best of luck. I like it. I like it. He does his own promos at the end. I don't really have to set him up. Just like, bye, Matt. Okay, I'm going to give a couple of pops here. A couple things. On your uh, Fresno game and uh, Nevada, uh, your boy uh, Ben Fox put out 
the numbers, and a lot of people have them, but he does a good job putting these out about uh, most lopsided betting. And I always love betting. Once it goes above 80% or betting on one side, I'm, I'm, I'm in. Um, 84% right now in Fresno. Makes sense. Yeah. Now, here's the thing. 84% of how much money. Right. You know what I'm saying? Like, it could be, like, five bets on that game because right. I don't think it's going to be very heavily handled. But to your point, you know, the last couple of weeks, they, they build up, Nevada does, that big lead over Texas State. They blow it, but still were really competitive in the first half. And then everybody and their mother who I spoke to, Kansas, 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 didn't even give the Wolfpack a chance in that game. And then I'm watching them with the ball, right, right down seven with, with about a minute and a half left to go. So – uh, they have been oddly competitive despite their record. Well, they're still fighting. That's a good sign yep. for Ken Wilson. He just he doesn't have enough talent here in year two. Um, and it shows because they kind of gassed out in the second half against Texas State. They're up 17 nothing and wind up losing pretty big. Uh, the Jeray Williams injury, which really wasn't reported very heavily until Jeray sent out a picture on Wednesday uh, of the injury. Yeah, he got hurt late in the second half against UTEP and then kind of limped off the field. And then we saw him out on a scooter at practice on uh, Tuesday, and they haven't announced how long he's going to be out, so I've, I have no idea if this is a very minor surgery. But, yeah, all of a sudden the, the Rebels, you remember how many times I talked about it in the spring and the fall camp where I'm like, uh, they have 21 defensive backs. Yep. Now they play a 3-3-5. Now, a lot of times they have four you know down linemen, but you need a lot of defensive backs. And all of a sudden, you know, B.J. Harris is down. I think he's a rest cover guy. Now, Jare Williams is down. Ricky Johnson is having trouble with his confidence, as I see it. So, they're having to go deep. And uh, Jed Elad is going to have to come up big playing that position because Jare Williams is one of the top five defensive players on the team. Jack of all trades, can attack, can play in coverage. You know, he's good run support. So, they're really starting to get tested on the back end. Yes, and here's the thing, as we have discussed, that's been tested and it's failed quite a bit right in, in multiple multiple games Vanderbilt was going deep all the time and got quite a few connections 20 or more yards downfield I think PFF officially charged them I think they were six of 11 or something on shots of 20 or more yards downfield Shager's gonna do it I like, say I say Hawaii shoots beyond 20 yards at least eight times so completions of 20 or more yards. No, I didn't down? say completions yeah. they are going to take shots that are going to be over 20 yards at least eight times in the game which is that's a high number how many do you think they complete I don't know. That's that's kind of the fear. Um, teams have been successful going down the sidelines in, in one-on-one coverage, and they've had a lot of success on the deep crosses. Yep. So I, they got to fix it. And I, you know, I think I think I tweeted it out Tuesday practice. They just they had the cornerbacks who were in the mix to play the other cornerback position along you know across from Cam Oliver. They had them out over the candidates to play there. They had them over on I'll call it field two because that's where the uh, the fours work, and they had. The two freshman quarterback just throwing bomb after bomb after bomb to the point where they were like, okay, we're, we're, we're going to grind you into the ground of the corner Sure. to emphasize the point, get it together. Well, because that's the thing. When you watch some of them, it's just like odd moments. The, the one that really sticks out, obviously, is Ricky Johnson in that Vanderbilt game where I don't know if he thought he had somebody behind him in coverage help or what, but just kind of jogging and letting that happen. And, 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 it, and that's the thing I think that if you asked Odom, right, and I don't even think you need truth serum, he would tell you, because in the same thing, and not to pick on Ricky Johnson, but I think it's a microcosm of what this, this defensive backfield can do, they're really good at times. They're really good. You're getting pass breakups. They're there when they're supposed to be. They're reading the plays right. And then every once in a while, you just get these brain farts. You're like, guys, we know what you're capable of. It's unacceptable to have the mishaps that you do and give up the plays that you do. You can hear a good buzz down here at the Golden Circle. Sportsbook and bar inside the TI. So come on down. Self-parking is free. Valet is free. They've got really good 
food specials here, including, I put up the picture a little while ago, two different Loco Mocos. Little Cajun style and the regular. And John was laughing at me yesterday for my love of Loco Mocos. Why not? Hawaii's in town. But come on down. Really good menu. 55-plus TVs. The betting kiosks go 24-7. So get your action in for tonight's game, Saturday and Sunday. Now back to Cofield and Company, live at the Golden Circle Sportsbook and Bar inside Treasure Island. Yeah, we talked about the magical chemistry that is developing between Herbie and Al Michaels. It's been like two years now, hasn't it? Yeah, Al, Al yeah. got confused. It wasn't the best setup from Herb Street either. Well, if, if, they, if they had a better vibe, are you buying in? Like, I knew exactly what he was saying, but Michaels, he also may have missed part of the statement. I don't want to be ageist, but he's like, he is actually like 77 years old now. Yeah. Which is still it's a kind of amazing. He's this sharp. So good for him, but he just missed on that one. He did. He also, I don't know if you saw this, but uh, he had a read for Thursday Night Football next week, which is Bears Commanders. Yeah. And, you know, generally the, you know, the announcer will give like a little zest to the, to the read. Nothing. It's like next Thursday, Commanders Bears here on uh, Prime. <laughs> and, like, it was just silent afterwards. Like, What's the number? <laughs> I got to bet this to make this interesting. Otherwise, I'm not going to be fired up. He's so mad. Let's get into the Chargers, who are taking on the Raiders at, what do we want to call it, Raiders South. I'm not really into this whole bashing L.A. for the attendance, but it's reality. Uh, Gilbert Manzano is with us. He's covered the Chargers for a relative long amount of time. <laughs> Gilbert, what's up? It's Cofield. JVT's here. Hey, what's up, guys? I get to be back. Uh, yeah, you know, I'm always pretty plugged in with the Chargers, and uh, that storyline about uh, not having fans always seems to linger, and it's always going to occur when it comes to the Raiders. Yep, and it's going to happen again this weekend, right? Yeah, yeah. And it's tough because, like, you know, it happens You pretty much throughout the league. I'm sure you guys have seen it in Las Vegas when the Steelers come in. And the first thing I thought of, uh, thought about was, like, a couple years ago, the Steelers came into the, the soccer field that the Chargers had when they were playing games at the Galaxy Stadium in Carson. And they played a Renegade, and it just was the wrong move by the Chargers PA guys. So it kind of brought back memories of the Steelers on Sunday Night Football in Las Vegas. Why do the Chargers stink at run defense? <laughs> that is a good question there. Uh, I don't know, because when I covered the team daily, when Brandon Staley got there in 2021, was, hey, you know, it's, uh, it's a little complicated. And I kept asking questions. And I'm like, man, when Anthony Lynn was uh, the coach, um, the, the run game was never this bad. Maybe it was one a, a game or two. And here we are two and a half years later, and they can't really figure it out. Uh, they spent money to get guys up front, like a Sebastian Joseph Day and Austin Johnson. And they seem to not figure it out. And the, the the second season, the excuse was, "Oh, injuries occur. We we can't figure it out because of injuries." And, and now, like they've been pretty much healthy for the first couple games of the season. They might not have Derwin James this this, uh, this game for the Raiders, but I don't know what it is. They, they, they can't just figure it out. Uh, you know, they're lucky that the, the second round pick uh, Tuli from USC is doing great as an edge rusher. But you know, Khalil Mack and Joey Bosa have been pretty slow to start the year. I know their job's not really to stop the run, but they do set the edge, and it just hasn't been working out. So and, and, you know, Gilbert, one of my things when it comes to Brandon Staley expanding this topic out, which is see, people keep making this big deal about these fourth down decisions. I think for the most part he's making the right decisions. I agreed with going for it on fourth down. But I hate the play call. But the underrated aspect of it is as a defensive guy, they just have never really been an above-average defense with him there. And that, that to me, that sounds like a scheme thing, right? Like at some point you have to look at what you're doing schematically if you consistently are on the below-average end of defensive statistics. Yeah, you know, sometimes it could be like, hey, uh, with Brandon Staley, with everything on the offensive side, he kept saying, he keeps saying, hey, we're going to build an offense for Justin Herbert, and we're going to make it fit for the personnel offensively. 
And I never hear too much talk about it on the defensive side. It's kind of like, yeah, I came in the Vic Fangio scheme. Look, look around the NFL. That trend of the Vic Fangio uh, with, with the two-high shell and you have a roof over the coverage there or for the offense, it works. I just got to keep believing in it. After a while, it's kind of like maybe it's stubbornness. You don't want to go, go away from the scheme. And you see, you guys know Gus Bradley uh, very well from his Charger days to the Raider days. And what I like from Gus Bradley, just to kind of use it as an example, he had Matt Eberflus' guys in Indy. He saw there's a lot of good linebackers there. He saw a lot of good talent. And he changed the scheme for, his, for, for, the, for, uh, for the personnel there. Sometimes you got to do drastic changes and go away from what you're used to. So that could be something there. Uh, and in terms of the fourth down, I was actually one of, the, one of the people. I was surprised not a lot of people were against it. I was against it. Uh, you do not trust your defense on a short field like that. With the game on the line, you're, you're staring at 0-3. And he went for it. I thought it was one of the reckless moves on his part, but I, I get it. Analytics say you get that first down, you win the game. But that was a terrible play called by Keller Moore. And it just makes you wonder, is it disconnect there with, the, with everything on the offensive side and on defense? Well, there's a couple things there. Uh, first, on defense in-game, who's actually calling the defensive plays? Yeah, it's definitely Brandon Staley. Uh, he, he has a, a new D.C. and uh, Derek Ansley. And I know that was kind of a thing also – Ronaldo Hill a couple years. Ronaldo Hill was also kind of the assistant defensive coordinator, but he had the title defensive coordinator. And it makes me wonder, like, if you have so much going on, you're trying to figure things out, like, why don't you let your D.C. call the plays at some point? Yep. And I know it's different, and, and, and I'm kind of a proponent of letting the, the coordinators call the plays. But look at Nick Sirianni last year. You know, he said, Shane Steichen, like, I can't, I'm trying to figure out everything here in all three phases of the football. Can you call the plays? Oh, then Shane Steichen leaves. Brian Johnson is still doing the play calling. So sometimes... Yeah. Uh, less is more on your play. We'll see what they do, but they haven't done that at all. I, I think that was one. I don't know if Nate Hackett was ever going to be a good coach, but I thought that was one of his fatal flaws. Like, you've never been a head coach before, and you're trying mm. to manage in-game one of the units. That's stupid. And with Staley, it's it's just been so inconsistent. I, I don't get it. you got to delegate. It's funny. the uh, you know, and We're not talking the same level of football, but uh, Barry Odom's the coach here at UNLV, and the other night on his coach's show I asked him about delegating. And he went through this whole thing where he's like, I have so much to concentrate on with what's in front of me in-game. Like, people need answers. There's there's big stuff to take care of. You, you have to delegate. You have to trust your coordinators to take that unit and take care of it. Now, if it gets to the breaking point where you're like, all right, now i got to take over because, you know, the team's future is in jeopardy, my future is in jeopardy, you do that. But I think he's, like, reverse-engineered this thing, and it ain't working. He can't call the plays. Yeah, no, I'm with you, uh, Steve. You know, when it comes to Brandon State, like again, it's two and a half, two and a half years, and you know, at some point, you got to give somebody else a chance here, especially when when there's interviews and they're asking him, "Hey, can you tell me about Derek Ansley here as a DC?" They go, "He's a great, uh, a great coach. He might even be a, a future a caller, a, a, you know, coordinator, play caller is what I'm trying to say." Yeah. And I'm like, "Well, give him a shot right now. Give right. him a shot right now, and let him prove himself." So. Uh, I, I don't know. You, when you have the, the thing is, like for me, I, you know, I, I, I cover this team. I'm still pretty close to the team. I, I know I cover more NFL league right now. But you know, when when you have so much money going into your premier pass rushers and Joey Bosa and Khalil Mack and, and Derwin James and J.C. Jackson, you get Eric Hendricks to to help you out, and the results are still not, you know, improving. Like I, I get it in Minnesota, they they did a little better when you get pressure consistently and you get takeaways. That team that tends to go to uh, to better results your way. But, you know, you're still giving up down play, like, like, like explosive plays downfield on a consistent basis. So maybe, Jonathan, you're correct. Like, maybe you don't trust the defense because if you give them the punt, 
on a full field, they might go for 40-yard completion on the next play. So there right. might be a better red zone defense, but now you're kind of saying excuses for the defense. So we've talked about this disconnect on fourth and one. Like, it, it might be the right call. At your own 24 is a little bit uh, debatable, but it might be the right call, but it's the wrong play calling. Um, yeah. At some point, doesn't he step in? If it is, if it was uh, Lombardi, if it is Kellen Moore, as the head coach with really your job on the line, doesn't he have to have say in those plays and just say, don't run it between the tackles. Throw the ball. <laughs> yeah, it kind of gave me flashbacks. of the Week 18 game in Las Vegas where it was a fourth and one from his own 25-yard line, and they run the ball with Austin Eckler. Austin Eckler is a, a good running back, uh, but Joshua Kelly is not Austin Eckler. So regardless of whoever's running the ball, it's a bad play when your guy, your quarterback who got paid $50 million in offseason is completing 40 out of 47 passes. Just keep giving it to that guy. So, I don't know. It's just strange because like when, when you really need Herbert to bail you out, you ask for a lot from the guy, but it shouldn't be this hard with this offense. And and if you want to run the show defensively and you're not going to you know meddle with the offense, why don't you kind of take the same approach with with the defense? You know. But again, you know, you know, it, it's it's a process. They got to the playoff last year, but after a while with the Brandon Stated thing, it kind of the excuses run out. Maybe they play better with the Raiders, but the Raiders haven't done too much offensively, so you can't really get a full sample size there either. So at this point, I hate to say it, it's it's probable that he's getting fired this year, right? I mean, given the start of the season, like what they would need to actually dig out of this hole, I'm assuming, Gilbert, that like missing the playoffs and even with the winning record is not going to save him. It, it seems that he's heading down the path of losing this job. Yeah, you know, the only thing here, you know, going off of the, the last two guys, Mike McCoy and Anthony Lynn, they tend, those guys got four years, and when people were screaming, hey, you got to fire this guy, they gave him that fourth year. But the problem there is like, you don't, you don't want a, a coach going into another season without a contract extension. you got to extend that at least one more year. Anthony Lynn got that when he went to his fourth season. He got one more year for a fifth year. Obviously, he never saw the fifth year. He got fired. So you want to keep doing that if you're Dean Spanos when, when you, you'd rather go get somebody else. And I know there was rumors about getting Sean Payton. That did not work out. Uh, but, you know, for me, I think firing the guy in the season is probably not the play. You know, you want to see how things go. Maybe it's they're out of it, and just four games ago, you want to give Keller Moore a chance to audition for the job as well. But I, I think when you're in L.A. and there's more impatience, you have so much money, you have a GM who's in his 10th or 11th season who has never gone past the division around the playoffs, has never won an AFC West title, it's pressure all around. So at some point, you got to change your your, uh, your your habits of, hey, four years is enough for a coach. Sometimes it could be three years, and sometimes you just need a fresh start all around. And, and I kind of always felt like Stadium's going to get three years. For as long as Telesco's around, they're tied at the hip. So if he goes, I think maybe something might occur with Telesco. But that's just getting that's kind of getting a little drastic. But after a while, if you're a Chargers fan, you're probably really frustrated about the last ten years. Gilbert Manzano, who's working now as an NFL staff writer with uh, SISI now. Wait a second here. Betting expert, Gilbert Manzano. I see a, wait a second here. I see a story with over unders. Look at the side yeah. of the uh, the uh, Keones on uh, on Gilbert going under, under in the Dolphins game. Yeah, are, yeah. What, what are you crazy? A, a little bit, but I, I'm still kind of mad at myself because the Chargers and the Vikings didn't come through with the 54 and a half uh, total, and I went I went over and I looked bad. So I started thinking, okay, it's not going to be easy every single week. And I'm like, they're AFC East rivals. The Bills are at home. They want to control the clock. They're going to try to run the football a little more. They're going to go 12 personnel with the two tight ends. And then, like, you can't get it to attract me with the Dolphins. You get it to attract me, then you lose the game for sure. So that's, that's, I think I'm just going off of the Bills being at home. And I don't know. I'm not an expert by any means, but 
I know uh, working at SI, they kept asking, hey, what, you know, what can you kind of, you know, provide for different type of stories? I'm like, I, I worked in Las Vegas for three years. I, I kind of know betting. You know, I'm not no, no Adam Hill or anything, but uh, so I became the Las Vegas uh, expert in the betting and they gave me a story. Wow. I said, you know what, I'll take the total over under. And, you know, last week, week two, I went four and one. The week before that, nice. I was like two and three. So, uh, wow. you know. I think that the, the one that I got burned on was the Chargers and Titans. I took the under for some reason. I'm never doing that again. But, yeah, yeah. I, I, I'm okay. First, though, let's relax. You're no John Von Topel, okay? Adam <laughs> Hill. Adam Hill getting John's got a model. Yeah. What, are you, what, are you, what are you, 3017 and 1 ATS coming out of the gates? Yeah, whatever, something like that. Don't shy away from it. You, we know you're gonna. You know, we know you're probably gonna lose at some point. Yeah, you, of course. you know that was your old pitch. Yeah. Um, I was so hoping. Gilbert, <laughs> I just wanted to take a shot at Adam. I was so hoping uh, when I clicked on this story on SI that you were the author. God, I was. I really wanted to get into this. Fifty Taylor Swift themed fantasy football team <laughs> names. That is so. What an angle. That is awesome. Are you? Are you? Have you become a Swifty? Are you rooting for uh, the, the Swift? No, wait. What? What are people calling it now? Isn't it? Uh, is it like trailer? They're trying to combine Taylor and and, and Travis. Like what are they? Oh, that's what are they? weird. Yeah, that's a weird one. Because you can immediately go trailer trash. That's what I thought too. I thought yeah. they were getting at a at, at actually both of them maybe. Um, so yeah, what do you think of this new phenomenon that may maybe it breaks? The, I think the Sunday Monday record is like thirty five million viewers for a game. Uh, yeah. Could the, it, could the Jets and Chiefs actually break a record? Yeah, you know, one, one of my uh, my goals was that. To, to have a, a story that, that leads with the Taylor Swift, Travis Kelsey storyline. And I have a winners and losers column. And I said, Travis Kelsey has the big, biggest winner for week three, maybe the whole season. He got Taylor Swift to accept the invitation. Uh, I have a lot of kind of, you know, thoughts about it. I, I, one of my conspiracy theories, guys, is like, I think they've been dating from like February and they're, they're doing the greatest PR move of announcing it little by little. The, the podcast with the Kelsey brothers is blowing up. Taylor Swift does not need the, the publicity, but she's helping out. Uh, her boyfriend there. So I think it's legit, but I think they're really kind of been planning this for months here. Uh, I don't know the name of it. I actually didn't know much about Taylor Swift. I've been doing a lot of research. Uh, luckily for me, I was born in the same year as her, 1989. So we have that in common at least. That's a brilliant theory too, because I was really surprised in like watching that Chiefs game, Gilbert, how close she was already with the mom and how much she was <laughs> yeah. already freaking out about. You're like right. that's That's not – the reactions and the actions of somebody who just started dating the dude like a week ago. Yep. That's a lot of pressure, too. That's the first time you should go into a game and meeting people and, and hanging out with Travis. The mom's already there. Like, yep. you know, I'm, I'm Mexican. If that's a Mexican household, that means you're going to get married. Like, you met the, you met the, the mom already. So, uh, I don't know. That, that was pretty, you know, you know, confident by Travis Kelsey. But also, bold move by picking the Bears game where you know you're going to score a touchdown and be up by 40 points to look good in front of Taylor Swift. I, uh, I know a buddy went on a date, a first date with a, uh, a woman of Mexican descent. And on the first date, the topic of Spanish came up, and she asked, do you speak Spanish? The answer was, ah, kind of a little. The response was on the first date, oh, good, because my mother can only speak Spanish. Immediately, just like your point, Gilbert, like, no, this is it. First date, we're in. Wait, did you say who it was? It has to work with the mother there, so I think they're in. Uh, it was me. Taylor Swift and Donna Kelsey. That was you? you had a, John, you had to face that? Yes. Wow. Oh, the, the first meeting with the parents was intense. Um, okay, uh, Gilbert, we got to we got to loop you in on a story here before we let you go. Okay, uh, okay. John, where did you break down with your car? Oh, Bakersfield. And how much Spanish did you need to speak? Uh, no, not. It's luckily not that much. So my wife is my wife is of Mexican descent, so she has taught me quite a bit of Spanish. And my mom, my grandmother's from Mexico, so I know a little bit. Yeah. But our tow truck driver spoke fluent Spanish, and that was it. So I was a little nervous, but 
Thank God his truck broke down, and I got a different person, so I didn't have to practice my you, Spanish too much. You, you were in trouble. Oh, I was. <laughs> Big time. Wait, so you had two people had to come pick you up because one truck oh. broke down? <laughs> yeah. Gilbert, it was a nightmare. I was like 20 minutes out. We were like 20 miles out of Bakersfield. It, it broke down. And when I tell you the exit we broke down on, not a single stoplight. I'm 90% sure at least three people got murdered right where I was. Oh, and I had to sit out there by myself until like 1.30 in the morning waiting for this tow truck. My car's still in Bakersfield. I got to go get my baby at some point. <laughs> All you got to say is give it to Las Vegas, and I think he would understand. But that sounds like a nightmare. Gilbert, we appreciate it. Enjoy the games this weekend. Uh, thank you, fellas. Appreciate the time as always. There he is, uh, Gilbert Manzano, who is uh, on the staff with the RJ locally. He's now working with SI. Uh, also does a Rams podcast called House of Horns, but look him up at Gilbert, or check that, at Manzano 24 or at SI Now. Cofield and Company presents... Hey, hold on, hold on, hold on. Grab bag. Don't touch it. Don't even look at it. Only on ESPN Las Vegas. Stick your hand in there, Dave. All right, this is when we make you money especially DeMond, with some NFL picks. We'll go rapid fire down the stretch here. We'll start with John, then DeMond, then I will chime in before we transition. Sound like a plan? Okay. Uh, I didn't even ask for approval. I object. Yes. I don't like that plan. Go back to break. Uh, Falcons, check. Yeah. yeah. Falcons are getting three against the Jags. Wow. The Jags uh, respected the book, huh? Not much. Neutral site. So, remember. That's a good point. Yeah. So, I said at the Jags, but yes. Cheerio, uh, mate. Isn't that what our promo right. says? Cheerio, mate. Uh, I will go all model for these selections. Give me the Jags. Projected 4.41. 4.4.1. Home away from home. Give me the Jags, bruv. Bruv. Isn't it? I'll go Jaguars. Not happy with that choice, though. <laughs> uh, Dolphins and Bills. Bills are minus 2.5. Bills. Projected 3.72 point victory by the John Von model. Wow. Miami. Bienvenidos a Miami. I don't. I don't are we going to do something Will, cheesy? Will Smith, yeah. <laughs> uh, I don't like being on Demond's side, but I am going to take the Dolphins. I think they're a juggernaut right now, and Josh Allen is a mistake waiting to happen. Uh, Panthers at home are getting four and a half. It looks like the numbers jumped up since Bryce Young is available, which I figured would happen. So again, Vikings minus four and a half at the Panthers. Uh, a projected two point three six point victory for the Vikings. So give me the Panthers. Taking Kirk Cousins, he's going to get a win. I'm going to go with uh, Kirk as well. Broncos off giving up 70 points are a favorite. Minus three against the Bears. 3.6 point victory for the Broncos. Let's go. Ride, baby. Denver. Justin Fields breakout game of the season. Bears. A little confused. Well, now that I was going to take the Bears, but I'm going to go with the Broncos. Well, I thought you said it was a 3.6 point victory for the Broncos. They're laying through. Okay, I get it. Yeah, there, um, you go. there you go. Yeah, Math. Yeah. I actually I started to think 3.6. I'm like, well, I don't know. I don't know what I was thinking. Uh, Browns minus two against the Ravens. Is Deshaun Watson playing? It's been uh, kind of light duty. I think he may have been held out of practice today. If he was throwing, it was only a few throws. So it's a minimal edge according to JVM, a 2.15 point victory for the Browns. So I guess give me the Browns. Ravens, what are you talking about? They don't question the model. <laughs> don't question How dare you? Uh, I'm going to go Browns minus two. Uh, Steelers minus two and a half at the Texans. Keep in mind, Texans now are without their left tackle with a rookie quarterback. What are we doing here, John? Uh, according to the model, the small edge is with the Houston Texans. Only a 2.27 point win for the Pittsburgh Steelers. Why are you uh, laughing? I told you he was going to go all model. No, I like it. 
tight with the betting market. Tight, 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 tight. Steelers, Texans, what do you want to do? Texans. I'm going to go Steelers. I have a lot of choices that DeMond is going on, and I'm like, no, nah, I'm going opposite now. Um, okay. Nothing against you, DeMond. You're hurting my feelings, actually. Uh, pick, pick, pick with the Colts and the Rams. One of the biggest edges of the week by John Von Model. A near four-point victory for the Los Angeles Rams. Let's go. Rams. I don't like what I saw with the Rams last week at all. So I'm going to take the uh, Colts. And by the way, uh, Richardson's back, right? Yes. Woo-hoo-hoo-hoo. Better than Gardner Mitchell. Uh, no, he's, I don't know if he is. Yeah, he is. It's like statistically, he's better. Yeah? Yeah. Okay. You say that very confidently. Um, Saints three and a half against the Bucks. Is our ex playing or not? Is Derek Carr playing or not? Oh, it sounds like he is, right? All signs point to yes. Okay. A little magic eight ball. What's the line again? Three and a half. All right, give me the Bucks. A projected 2.43 point victory for the New Orleans Saints. I'm going Saints. I'm going to go Bucks. Uh, Bengals and Titans. Titans at home are getting two and a half. One of the big edges of the week as well. Bengals by six. Let's oh, go wow. Cincy. Yeah. Titans got to do it. I'm going to go Cincy. Uh, Raiders and Chargers. It's now four and a half Chargers. The Raiders will also be on the card this week. Only a 1.76-point victory for the Chargers, according to JVM. Let's go, Raiders. Man, that model knows what it's talking about for once. I'm going Raiders as well. Yeah, I'm going to lay the points with the Chargers. Uh, 62% through three weeks. Uh, <laughs> Cowboys, six against the Patriots. What do I got here? Only a two-point win for the Cowboys. I was surprised by this one. So Patriots is going to be on the card. Cowboys. It's very quick. Okay. I um, I never lay this many points, so I'll go with the Cowboys. Uh, Cowboys minus six. Did not like what I saw. I don't know how anyone could with the Patriots last week struggling to beat uh, Zach Wilson at Jet Life Stadium. Uh, 14, the Niners against the Cardinals. 14. Right on 14 point, uh, right on 14 and a half for the model, so we'll go 49ers. Cardinals, they cover. I'm going to lay the 14. I think the it's going to fizzle a little bit, All you know these close games for the Cardinals. The jig is up. Eight and a half, Chiefs. Swifty night. Eight and a half at the Jets. The biggest edge of the week, according to JVM. Kansas City Chiefs by 15 points. I'm taking the Chiefs as well. Why are you laughing? Because the 15, um, it could be higher, I think. 15, your model says. I mean, for what it's worth, it said 18.8 last week against Chicago. Worked out. Yeah. No pick for me. I, I can't. No, what? You can't I, be allowed. I, I, can't, I can't do this anymore. This is riveting radio. No, I would. I, they'll, the Jets are going to lose by like 24. There we go. So enough's enough. Maybe something will finally convince these guys to go get a real quarterback. I mean, they should. They should be beating down the I don't know why they're giving up on the season. I don't get it. This early with this team? I'd be mad. If I was in the locker room, wouldn't you be pissed if yes. you heard the news that Trevor Simeon was coming in? Yes. All right. Little grab bag before we get out of here. Damon, uh, do you have the, the Justin Watkins clip from uh, got it. Wednesday? So, John, you had a question about Chandler Jones. Now, he got arrested. The Raiders did send out a message, finally. But in terms of, like, real details, they hadn't sent anything out. And I know you were asking... Um, why haven't they been more outward about this? Uh, this was Justin Watkins yesterday when we were talking about why the Raiders have been so quiet. Zero. I wouldn't give out a thing. No way. Mum's the word, man. If we're to connect the dots here, and that is, and believes that Chandler Jones was admitted to a mental health facility against his wishes, 
fire department came to his apartment and did it, then that would be called what's a legal 2000 hold, which is you can be taken and put under supervision for up to 72 hours against your will if you're a danger to yourself or to others. Police or fire can institute what's called a legal 2000 hold and either put you in the hospital or put you into a, a mental health facility. If that happened based on the Raiders reporting to authorities something that was going on, then the Raiders need to not say a word. There you go. Is even well, I just even mean those like positive thoughts, outward positive thoughts. I mean, they I finally not, they yeah. finally did it today. I'm not sure why they chose today to feel legally safe to do it, but they did it. Right. We're back here tomorrow as the station. Throw the flag is here nine to eleven, as Lindsey Brown and Chris Chapman will be hosting that two hour show around college football. Again, you're ready for the NFL. Remember, at noon, the Ted Weens UNLV pregame show goes live as we'll get you ready for Hawaii and UNLV.